today on The Nature Storyteller, we have two captivating tales based on nature and folklore. The first story, The Older Sprite, is about Tam, who owned a cottage with a well that gave him the freshest water in all of Somerset. Despite being warned about tree sprites, he ignored them. According to legend, a wood sprite is a particular kind of fairy that lives in and protects an individual tree. In this case, an alder tree, known for its love of water, and it was growing right next to the saint's well. Now, it's time to get yourself a drink, settle down in your comfy place and relax. And if it's safe to do so, shut your eyes and take a few moments to listen to your own breath. Allow yourself to relax and let the magic of storytelling take you to a safe place whilst you enjoy the story of the Alder Sprite. lived in a cottage near a very special well. It was known as the Saint's Well. He was fortunate to have access to the clearest, purest water in the entire valley. In fact, many people believed it was the best water in the whole of Somerset. Even on the hottest days, the water remained cool and untainted. Tam not only used the water for drinking, but also used the well as his larder. He kept his butter, his cheese, and even his bacon in a bucket that he stored deep down in the well. Thanks to the Saint's Well, Tam was one of the few people who could enjoy fresh food on Christmas Day, and that was previously unheard of before modern refrigeration. Besides the well stood an alder tree that had been there for as long as Tam could remember. During one summer, when the tree's leaves were bright green, Tam noticed that a lower branch had grown over the entrance to the well. The presence of the branch made it difficult for Tam to draw water and get his food from the well. And despite his daily grumbling, Tam knew that cutting an alder tree was not an option. In the valley, no one dared to cut a tree, an alder tree, a sacred tree, believed to bleed and bring terrible things to whoever cut it. As summer ended, an autumn began to turn the leaves from green to russet and gold. Some of the leaves started falling from the alder branch and into the saint's well. Tam noticed them and believed that they were contaminating the water's taste. 
He complained to anyone who would listen that the world's sweet water now tasted bitter because of those fallen alder leaves. Tam's constant moaning tired everyone out, so finally he decided to cut the branch from the tree to fix the problems. Surely the alder sprite wouldn't mind one branch being taken from a tree, Tam thought to himself. So that evening, Tam took his axe from the shed and spent the whole evening sharpening it to remove that branch as quickly and as cleanly as he could. In the morning, he went over to the alder tree with his freshly sharpened axe and he laid it on the branch to pick just the right area to make his cut. Tam raised the axe above his head and brought it down onto the branch. He heard a loud and torturous moaning from high up in the tree's canopy. Tam stopped and looked up, not knowing what he would hear or even see. To his surprise, he saw thin wisps of wood smoke gently swirling around the leaves of the alder tree. Immediately, Tam turned around and ran back to his house as fast as possible. He checked inside and out every room and even the thatch on his roof, but he could see no smoke at all. Tam laughed to himself and he thought it must have been his own imagination. And with that, he went back to the alder tree beside the saint's well. Tam picked up his axe and again raised it high above his head before bringing it down hard onto the cut he had already made in the branch of the alder tree that had grown across the entrance of the well. For a second time, there was a loud and horrible moaning sound from high up in the alder tree canopy. And as he looked up, Tam could not only see wood smoke circling above him, but he could smell it too. Quickly, Tam ran back to his house. He hadn't set a fire in the hearth for days and no one's chimney let out wood smoke as he looked around the village. He ran through his house, checking every room, but he could not see or smell the wood smoke. He even rechecked the thatch roof just to be sure, but he found Either I am going mad, or it's a tree sprite in the alder and it's tricking me. He returned to the alder tree beside the well, feeling angry and frustrated. He didn't like being tricked, and he decided to cut off the branch that was growing across the entrance of the well. Tan picked up his axe and raised it high above his head. He brought that axe down hard onto the branch of the alder tree. For a third time came the terrifying moan from high up in the alder tree, and as he looked up, Tam could see thicker wood smoke swirling through the tree's branches. However, Tam was determined this time, and he ignored it. 
He raised his axe high above his head and he struck another blow to that branch. Again, the loud and terrifying moan came from high up in the tree and Tam could see and smell the smoke again, but still he ignored it. He raised his axe high into the air and he brought it down again on the branch of the alder tree. The loud wailing came from above as the branch, now severed from the alder tree, crashed to the ground below. Tan reached down and picked up the branch. It was a straight and fine piece of wood. He looked up again and he could see the thick wood smoke, so dense that he couldn't see the top of the tree anymore and he could smell the wood burning. However, Tam was not to be fooled by the sprite. He looked at the severed branch, wondering what use he could make of it. As he pondered, Tam could feel the heat of the fire behind him. He resolutely said to himself, I am not being tricked by the tree sprite, and he stood there. Tam decided that he would use this sturdy, straight branch to create a brace over the well entrance. This would enable him to hang his rope and buckets there. Despite hearing the sound of the flames and feeling the heat and smelling the smoke, Tam remained still and determined not to be deceived again. Suddenly, some of his neighbours appeared. They were carrying buckets and shouting, Fire! Fire! They pointed towards Tam's cottage and yelled, Tam, your house is on fire! Tam immediately turned to look and ran as fast as he could towards his cottage. He and his neighbours did their best to fight the fire with their buckets of water from the well. However, it was too The fire continued to spread and the flames eventually consumed Tam's little cottage. They tore through the thatched roof and soared high up into the sky. The fire raged uncontrollably and Tam's neighbours retreated to the other side of the track, taking him with them. They could only watch helplessly as the flames engulfed Tam's little cottage, destroying everything in their path. Tam was sitting on the grassy bank. He was sobbing and crying, still clutching the severed branch he had cut from the alder tree. Once he could finally speak, Tam revealed to his neighbours what had happened. He explained how he had seen the thin, swirling smoke and smelled the wood smoke, but found nothing when he checked his cottage. He realised that he had been deceived by the tree sprite. As he became more enraged by the deception, the sprite used his determination against him. Tam continued to chop the branch from the tree, despite seeing and smelling the smoke feeling the heat on his back and legs and even hearing the crackling of the flames. 
Sam suspected he was being tricked, and unfortunately, he was right. However, the tree sprite he encountered was far more knowledgeable than Tam. Even though the loss of his cottage saddened Tam's neighbours, they all agreed that the tree sprite had given him ample warning about the dangers of his actions, and they acknowledged that Tam's recklessness was the primary cause of the devastating fire that consumed his home. May that, my friends, serve as a lesson to us all. It is a lesson not to suppress your instincts, nor should you ignore your emotional intelligence and feelings. And don't stand against the wisdom of those who came before us, or you, like town, may pay the price. you've enjoyed listening to the story of the Order Sprite. Tam had so much, but he made the mistake of ignoring the advice of his elders and disregarding his own senses and instincts. And unfortunately, he paid a high price for that mistake. I do hope Tam learned his lesson and was able to rebuild his idyllic cottage and continue to live with the Order Tree and its resident wood sprite, enjoying the fresh waters of the Saints' Well for a long time to come. Our main story today on The Nature Storyteller is called The Black Box. It is a reimagined traditional tale, as is the way of The Nature Storyteller. And we have dedicated the tale to all those who are hunted. It is a magical story of the natural world's power and of women throughout the ages. It serves as a cautionary tale to those who always desire more, even things they can never have. And it's coming up next on the Nature Storyteller podcast. nature storyteller's main story for today it's a story called the black fox and it's a story that i would like to dedicate to all those who are hunted there are those who measure the days by the hands of a clock their weeks and months by a calendar whilst others like us measure time by the sun's rising and falling and the turning of the world 
by the coming and fading of the snowdrops and the bluebells, the arrival and departures of the swallows, warblers, leaf buds and blossoms, and the colour of the autumn trees. She was one just like us. She did not believe that time should be shackled to the hands on the face of a clock. She lived in a small cottage, deep in the heart of a patch of wild woodland. Little was known of her solitary soul. People loved to fill this space around her life with speculation. She owned both house and land. These two facts and her flaming red hair and natural beauty drew the attention of the Lord of the Manor. The Lord owned everything for as far as he could see, the hills, the valleys and all around the woodland. He would look out of his bedroom window high up in his castle tower each night and see everything he owned tiny cottage sat within its own land within the woodland. The Lord was accustomed to having everything he had wanted. Money, the finest clothes, the fastest horse and any woman he desired. But he knew he didn't own that small cottage in the woodland and that irritated him and it annoyed him. It made him angry from deep within. It was a feeling he did not know or could not control. It raged like a fire within him. In truth, he wanted everything. The wood, the cottage, and most of all, the woman. He couldn't believe that his grandfather had given that woodland and that cottage to the woman whom he heard many of the town folk call a witch all those years ago. She had helped his grandfather when he fell from his horse whilst out in the woods. She had set and healed his broken bones and returned him to the castle. In thanks, he gave her what she desired to own her own cottage and the woodland so that she and her family could live there forever. The Lord had long felt his grandfather to be foolish, too kind to his staff and the county's people. He cared for the land and the wild animals that lived within it and he never hunted. The Lord was the antithesis of his grandfather, perhaps as a deliberate act. He had the fastest horse, dark as a raven from where he named it Midnight, and he held the largest, quickest and most savage pack of hounds in the whole county. Every time he looked over all his land and saw that wood and small cottage, it irked him. It annoyed him so much that this land was not his. He wanted that wood because he loved to hunt. It irked him that when his hounds caught the scent of a fox, the fox would bolt to the woodland 
and gained sanctuary. And what irked him most was that he wanted her, not because he loved her, but because she was the one thing he didn't own and couldn't have. The Lord could not understand how his grandfather could have been so generous to her mother, nor could he know how her mother had outlived not only his grandfather, but his father also. He could think of no other explanation than her mother must have been a witch. The Lord decided to make a plan. A plan that would get him everything he desired. And that night, as he lay in bed, high in his tower, the idea came to him. Of course, he would marry her. And as marriage in those days meant anything owned by the woman, passed to the man, he would then have the cottage, the woodland, and her. Feeling pleased with himself, he fell asleep. Early the following day, the Lord began to put his plan into action. At first, he tried to win her love with gifts of jewellery and the finest dresses and clothes, but she just turned them away. She did not want him or his gifts, for his eyes were cruel, even when his words were spoken softly. Next, he bought her diamonds, garnets and rubies, and she asked him to leave immediately, taking his rocks and stones with him before shutting the door right in his face. She did not want a cruel man who measured his worth by the acres he owned or the money and jewels he had in his bank. He was a man who could not value all life. He hunted foxes and hares for pleasure and lost many of his hounds and horses by driving them too hard in pursuit of the kill. Whatever he gave her, she spurned his gifts and his touch. And as time went on, He grew to hate what he could not have. And yet he burned around her like a moth to a flame. He tried to buy her house, offering her many times more than it would ever be worth. But she just politely said no. Then he offered her a vast sum of money for her woodland. She said, no. Having failed to buy her love, her cottage, or her woodland, he was at a loss as to what he could do next. He couldn't understand her, and yet he was consumed by his love for her. Within weeks, a large and mysterious fire burned the small cottage to the ground. The fire raged so fiercely that no one could get near the cottage and it was feared that she had died in the inferno that engulfed her home. The local town was full of gossip. Some around felt that she had got what she deserved, for there are always those who fear a woman who chooses to live alone. Others were sad. Some called her a witch, while some whispered that it was he 
who was to blame, that he had gone to her house, taken what she refused to give and burned both woman and home to the ground to hide the evidence. But he was the lord of the manor. No man or woman would say that to his face. Around this time, a large black fox appeared in the woodland. The black fox is not entirely black. It has dark legs, ears, and sometimes a black rib along the high point of its back. But they are red, and this one was very large. Some said it was the size of a wolf. Its eyes were as bright as the stars, and its tail was more extended and bushier than any dog fox. But sleep can narrow its shape, just like a vixen's tail. Night after night, the chickens at the Lord's house were disappearing. The Lord told the keepers to keep a watch day and night, and he deducted the cost of the chicken from each of their miserly salaries. The men were vigilant, and despite being unhappy at having their poor wages cut by the price of a chicken, they kept a diligent watch. However, still... The chickens disappeared night after night. After some time, the Lord took it upon himself to take over the watch. He remained still and silent that night as he sat in the garden. He saw the large black fox enter the castle walls and, right before him, help itself to one of his chickens. He leapt up and gave chase, but was easily outrun by the fast and agile fox. The next night, the Lord took his finest two hounds into the farm and they sat there silently. Once again, the black fox appeared and helped itself to one of the Lord's chickens. It was then that he released his finest pair of hounds that gave chase far beyond the castle walls and deep into the dark night. Neither hound returned, nor was ever seen again. So the next night, the Lord took his horse, midnight, to the farm, and there they waited. The Lord upon the fastest horse in the county, and again the black fox entered the castle walls and helped itself to one of his chickens. In an instant, the Lord dug his heels deep into Midnight's ribs, and the chase began, a pursuit that carried on long into the night, a quest that took them through valleys and woodlands and far, far away from the castle's walls. Eventually, the dawn began to break and as the sun climbed into the early morning sky, the Lord could feel his special horse Midnight was slowing and had barely made the last hedge that they had jumped. Instead of showing some compassion for his exhausted animal, he drove it on, chasing nothing but the mist until poor Midnight stumbled and collapsed to the ground. 
And as the Lord and his horse fell into a rolling large heap on the floor, poor Midnight died from exhaustion. It took three days for the Lord to walk back to his castle, and with every step he grew redder and he grew angrier. When he got back, his men said that the black fox had been back every night and was still taking chickens. But worse, it sat in the castle garden and called out like a woman screaming deep into the night. Around this time, the Lord began to find things going wrong all around him. His ships began to sink one by one and his investments started to fail. His servants began to leave as his mood grew darker because they believed he was cursed. And still, each night, the black fox would call, all night in his garden, a a mating shriek like the ghosts of the dead calling from hell itself, troubling his dreams even on the rare occasion he managed to get some sleep things were clearly falling apart. He was slipping ever closer to madness, consumed by his desire to own and control everything and not ever be able to have the woman he loved. It was then that he vowed to himself to kill the black fox. The look in its eye reminded him of something, but he would not say who it reminded him of. With the remnants of his fortune, he hired the swiftest horse he could find and gathered what was left of his hound pack. And at dusk, they rode out of the castle and into the dark night. Some say the black fox came to him goading his hounds with her fearful cry and how she ran those hounds ragged until their paws were bloody and their bodies were broken. By dawn, they could still be heard baying to the rising sun, lost and broken. The Lord had ridden as fast as the horse would carry him, but no matter how fast they galloped, the black fox was always quicker. With the hounds gone, the black fox led the Lord to the wall of the old cottage. As he approached the derelict remains of the cottage, his heart was beating faster and he slowed the horse until they stopped. He dismounted and walked towards a large gap in the broken wall of the cottage. As he passed through the wall, the black fox released a spine-chilling shriek a sound that no one would ever want to hear again before rearing up before him. The terrified Lord ran for his horse and leapt upon it before riding away fast into the night. Some say he rode so fast that he crossed the river between this world and the next. Others say the devil took him for his own. The black fox still wanders through the gardens of the manor house. The woodland trees have taken it for their own now, seeding the lawns with sapling oaks and the wild ivy climbs over the statues and fountains. 
the castle's crumbling walls could no longer support the roof and it collapsed to the ground, leaving a massive pile of stone and rubble. And today, hunters still fear sighting a black fox. They think her a creature of ill omen. Maybe she's a witch, but ordinary folk know better. The black fox protected those of good heart and mind, those who cared for the natural world. They would draw the shape of her in charcoal in hidden places around their homes to protect their house. And today, the black fox sometimes wanders the deep woods, wild and free. And if she lets you see her, you know you are protected and you are safe. And that is a very good place for us to end our story today. Thank you for joining us today at the Nature Storyteller. I hope our stories have taken you to a beautiful place within your own imagination and at the same time I hope you've gained more knowledge about the natural world and wild creatures that share it with us. Storytelling has always been a way for our ancestors to share their understanding, learning, wisdom and knowledge of their world. Through the generations these stories have entertained, informed and inspired people and they continue to do so to this very day. Now it's time for me to return to the forest and begin a new adventure that I will share with you on the next Nature Storyteller podcast.